You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Podcast and Post Game Show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Activate your free Assembly Call membership today at assemblycall.com slash join. That's assemblycall.com slash join. That is how you're a champion. It really is. And now, get ready for another brand new edition of the Assembly Call. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another victorious episode of the Assembly Call, as tonight, your Indiana Hoosiers come back late to defeat the Northwestern Wildcats 63-62 to and... Colin Hartman gets engaged. What a night for Indiana, you know, in the midst of what has been such a drag of a last month of the season. This is really kind of the perfect catharsis for Indiana fans right now. It's not like this game puts you back on the NCAA tournament bubble. It doesn't erase all of the losses, but it's a nice just oasis of goodness, a win, a great moment on senior night uh, for all IU fans to have and to share. Uh, and so finally, we'll have a victorious, joyous episode of the Assembly Call here, which we haven't had one of those in a while. So it's about time. Uh, I'm your host, Jared Morris, here with Ryan Phillips. Uh, Andy Bottoms is out tonight. Michael Dugan will be joining us momentarily. Uh, he was actually there uh, at Simon Scott Assembly Hall tonight. So he'll be able to give us a report live from Simon Scott Assembly Hall when he joins us. Uh, but let's start tonight's show as we begin every episode of the Assembly Call. And that is with our Hoosier Proud Banner moment. Uh, you know, and obviously the Hoosier Proud Banner moment was going to be Indiana's 8-0 run to end the game. It was 62 to 55. Northwestern's winning. You know, fans are filing to the exits. It looks like the Hoosiers are going to blow their 10-point halftime lead. You know, lose just another game and continue the death march toward the end of the season. But the Hoosiers, you know, they somehow found a way. And, and incredibly. You know, it was the junior guards that stepped up and provided some leadership. With the score 62-55, Robert Johnson drove right to the lane and scored on the very next possession. James Blackman Jr. hunted a three-pointer and drained it. And like that, it was 62-60. to And then on the next possession, the Hoosiers get a big rebound. James Blackman Jr. pushes it to Thomas Bryant, who scores, gets fouled with about three seconds to go, drains the free throw. If by drain you'll allow me to, or you'll allow me to use the term drain when it, you know, bounced up from the rim little, and, and barely went in. A little poetic license there. But we'll I take it. Yes, yeah, a little poetic license, but we will take it, all things considered. It's about time Indiana got a bounce uh, at the end of a game like that. Uh, and then Bryant McIntosh uh, missed a last second heave that almost went in. The Hoosiers win 63 to 62. So that late game rush was going to be the banner moment. But how can you not give the banner moment to Colin Hartman? I mean, the guy absolutely dominated his senior speech. It was everything a senior speech should be. It was emotional. It thanked everybody. You even had the obligatory, uh, you know, adoring and appreciative praise for Marnie Mooney. And then, of course, the way it ended with some great heartfelt comments for his family, especially for his stepdad and his mom, and then proposing to his girlfriend. And she said yes. I mean, look, there have been some great senior speeches that I have watched in my time as an IU fan. I'm not sure I can remember one more consequential, emotional, and just boss as the one Colin Hartman just pulled off. So a dual banner moment tonight, one for the guys on the court for pulling out a huge win late, and one for Colin Hartman, who couldn't get on the court to provide any Colin Hartman things, but goes out with the greatest Colin Hartman thing of them all, proposing having her say yes. Way to go, Colin. So tonight's banner moment uh, brought to us, as always, by our friends at Hoosier Proud, an Indiana-based brand by Hoosiers for Hoosiers. Hoosier Proud, as we've been telling you, offers a line of t-shirts and accessories that are unmatched for anyone who wants a unique, stylish way to display their own pride in being a Hoosier. And right now, uh, we're still co-hosting a deal with Hoosier Proud. It was going to be a one-week deal. We actually decided to make it a two-week deal. So it's 20% off. Use the promo code THANKYOU20. And when you go to HoosierProud.com, any shirts, anything that's there, if you use that promo code, you'll get 20% off. And if you want to get one of the Zip hoodies, which they're brand new and they've got the Assembly Call logo on them, in addition to the 20% off, you get another $11 off of the Zip hoodies. So go there, check out all the Assembly Call gear that Hoosier Proud has, plus all the other really, really cool 
unique, interesting t-shirt designs uh, that they have there as well. And again, the promo code is THANKYOU20, and you receive 20% off of your entire order. That's THANKYOU20 at HoosierProud.com. All right, let's make the extra pass, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. We will start with Ryan Phillips, whose rant is brought to us by TheBigLead.com. Go, Ryan. You know, I do have to give a hat tip to the boss proposal by Colin Harmon. What a power move, man. You got the <laughs> whole state watching you, and you propose to your longtime girlfriend. Uh, that automatically becomes the – he's one-upped every senior speech ever. I'm sorry. There have been some great ones. That one-ups all of them uh, because it has long-term life-influencing uh, conclusions uh, and, and, and impacts there. So congratulations to Colin and his girlfriend, uh, now fiancé. Uh, that was awesome. But I, I think what I want to talk about tonight is, is the fact that we finally saw Indiana, something that I've, I know we've talked about and I've been asking for, is just late-game execution. And it hasn't been there all year, all Big Ten season. They had a couple uh, late-season or early-season late-game wins. Um, but finally, you just saw this team play defense and execute simple plays down the stretch, and they're so talented that it worked and they won. And yeah, Northwestern is prone to giving those kinds of things up and prone to giving up runs. And, and you heard the the, guy, the announcers talking about it all night when Indiana went on that 22-0 run in the first half, that Northwestern's prone to doing this. But this was less Northwestern giving the game away and more Indiana playing defense, making Northwestern have to hit a tough shot. Bryant McIntosh, been on fire all game. That last possession where Indiana, instead of fouling, opted to play defense and then run down the, you know, run out and, and try and get a quick score, they played great defense on Bryant McIntosh, made him shoot over Jawan Morgan, and the rebound came off. Uh, James Blackman grabbed it, ran down the floor, and rather than doing what James Blackman does a lot of times and just force a shot and, and go for his own points, he found a wide-open Thomas Bryant got the ball, finished it, got fouled. Those are right there, three or four things we've been asking for all year. Tough defense, defending a switch, because Jawan Morgan uh, had to take Bryant McIntosh off a switch, properly defending the switch, making him shoot over you instead of going past you, solid rebound, run down the floor, and find the open man, as opposed to just trying to take a wild shot and, and getting it to your big guy in the middle when the defense comes to help it was perfect execution and you know the plays before that were perfect execution you mentioned the the robert johnson dribbling it up and just kind of handing it off to james blackman who stepped right into a three i mean that's the point of that dribble weave is that occasionally guys will back off they backed off the wrong guy blackman hit the three and it's just it seems so simple execute late in the game and you'll win the game how many close games has indiana lost this year where as you've mentioned before several times they led at the four minute timeout failed to execute down the stretch failed to play defense turn the ball over and lost those games you turn those around you turn half of them around and we're in the ncaa tournament securely and looking at a, a mid-table finish at worst in the big 10 that's the kind of thing that the team did last year. They found ways to win, and this year we just haven't seen it with this group. They haven't found ways to win. It was nice to see them for Colin Hartman, for the home fans, the last home game of the year, and potentially for Tom Crean's, you know, we've talked about this, potentially his last game in, in, in Assembly Hall, finding a way to win a game late when you're in it, when you're battling, when you're in the midst of a tight game, finding a way to win. And that's what they did tonight, and it's just so disappointing. It's uplifting. You feel good about it, but it's so disappointing because they had so many opportunities to do that this year, failed to do so, and and that's a huge part of the reason. There are a lot of reasons why they're where they're at, but that's a huge part of the reason, and that just comes down to discipline and and basketball smarts late in games and keeping your composure. We just we finally saw it tonight, and it was kind of like it almost made it worse because you're kind of saying, oh, they're completely capable of it, aren't they? You know, know. so uh, well, it, it was a great win, just, and I'm happy they got the win, but at the same time, it's it's such a seems like such a simple thing. We just haven't seen it this year. Well, maybe we've had it all wrong. You know, we've been having these leads at the four-minute timeout. Today, we were down by six at the four-minute timeout. Maybe that's what we should have been doing, and, and I'm only half kidding here because the thing is, you know, when Indiana was down in those last couple of minutes, you know, the arena was deflated. Everybody had resigned themselves to Indiana losing this game. And it's almost like the players were like, well, crap, let's just go make some plays. And it's like they went out and they played a little bit looser, but not not loose to the point of the silly turnovers that they've had, but just kind of loose to the point of, well, let's just go make plays. Because the one play I didn't mention, and I think this was a huge play in the game, is it was 58-50. 
And I believe that was the biggest lead that Northwestern had uh, in the second half. And, th and this is when everybody's kind of filing out already. And Indiana goes to Thomas Bryant, and Thomas Bryant just took it down the baseline, scored, got fouled. It was a huge play, and it cut it to five. And it was almost like, I remember I sat up a little bit more, and I was like, all right, well, maybe we do have one last gasp in us. And it was almost like that play kind of galvanized the guys a little bit and reminded them, hey, this game is not yeah. over yet. Let's go. And, and, and that's on that play, I'm going to say there was 330 left. He made the free throw, too. So it cut it to 5853. Yeah. And you're right. I feel the same way because it was right at the last timeout, too. That was the, yeah. the official timeout came in right after he made the layup, came back and shot the free throw. So I agree. I think that that was sort of like, hey, this isn't over yet. It was a five point game at that point. Yeah. And, and, and I guess the irony and the part where you do get frustrated because it's like, you know, damn it, guys, where has this been all season is we've talked about leadership, right? And especially from Robert, James and Thomas. And tonight, those three guys were dynamite late. They struggled all game long. I mean, Robert Johnson was non-existent for most of the game, only finished with five points. You know, Bryant only had 11. Blackman only had 13. But they scored. I mean, didn't those guys score the last 13 points for Indiana? I think I'd have to go back and look to be, you know, doubly sure. But I think they scored the last 13 points for Indiana, uh, which is, you know, which is huge. And that's the kind of leadership that you've been looking for from your best players late in games. So great to see. So, you know, what does this game represent? We have no idea. Is this just going to be one win and then Indiana, you know, kind of putters out the rest of the season at Purdue and at Ohio State and then in the Big Ten tournament? Or was there something here late that Indiana can find and build on and you go up to Mackey and you give Purdue a good game? And who knows? You know, if you can go up there and get a win, you know, more things seem possible than they do right now. But what you had to do was find a way to win tonight. And, you know, yes, okay, we're at the point where we're celebrating a one-point win over Northwestern at home. Given the context of the season and where we've been, it's an important moment. Um, you know, and is that... Do we want that to be a uh, a high bar for success in the future? No, but for right now, we'll take it. It's a nice break from all the losing. And again, you know, we will see if it portends good things for Indiana. You know, down the stretch, late if they have one last gasp in this season, um, hey, we will find you know out. I'm gonna, I'm, I, you know, I know we're saying like, oh well, it was a win against Northwestern at home. You're supposed to, hey, Northwestern's decent this year. Let's not, let's not get it twisted. That's a good basketball team. They look like they're going to make the NCAA tournament. If they don't, it will be an upset at this point. If they'd won today, everybody's saying they're in for sure. Uh, Indiana had lost seven of eight games. Uh, the fact that the team focused late and pulled this out instead of packing it in is something we should celebrate. I, I like. I don't care what the record is, where they're going to go. If this is an NIT team, I don't, I don't care. The fact that the team, good for them for not just packing it in down, you know, eight or, or, or seven late and, and actually, you know, picking it up and getting it done and not quitting. I mean, that, that is something to build on and something to be proud of, uh, even though it's, you know, OK, it's Northwestern at home. I get it. I, you know, we're not yeah. trying. We're not going to blow sunshine up you, uh, up your behind right here. We're, we're, but, you know, let's look at the game for what it what it is. They were down eight late came back, executed, and won. That's something to be proud of, especially given where this season is, where it's gone, and, and where it's been over the last few weeks. It's something to be to be happy about. We're not happy with where the season is, but you can be happy with today. Yeah, in a season where so many games have felt like Groundhog's Day, at least today was different and was something we've been wanting to see all year, and we saw it, and so that's good. We will continue breaking down tonight's victory over Northwestern. First, I do want to take a quick minute and tell you about our other sponsor, SeatGeek. Buying tickets online for sports and concerts, as you know, has been a confusing process for a long time. It's always been hard to find the best deal for that game or show that you want to go to. And none of those older ticket sites seem to want to change that. But SeatGeek is different. They have come along and they've created an amazing app and website that makes it easier than ever before for fans to buy and sell tickets. So if you are a Hoosier, say, who is not in Bloomington, but you're up in the West Lafayette area or maybe in the Columbus area, and you want to catch the Hoosiers one last time this season or out in D.C. for the Big Ten Tournament, check out SeatGeek because you'll they, they make the actual process of finding the tickets so simple because they actually search through all the ticket sites and show you the best deals right there. It's an incredible price comparison uh, search engine for tickets. So that's why you want to use SeatGeek. That's why I use them because they do all the work and you save the time and money. And best of all, Assembly Call listeners get a $20 rebate off of your first SeatGeek purchase. It doesn't have to be a purchase of IU basketball tickets. It can be a concert, sporting event, anything. 
But the way that you get that is by downloading the SeatGeek app or going to SeatGeek.com, go to the settings tab and click add a promo code and enter the promo code assembly, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y, and SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. So again, download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code assembly today. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. I am Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips uh, celebrating Indiana's 63 to 62 victory over Northwestern. The Hoosiers snatch victory from the jaws of defeat. And you know what was really amazing about this game, Ryan? You know we talk a lot about how important the way you start halves and how important the way that you finish halves is in a game. Uh, and and you know Indiana started out decently tonight in the first half. They did not start out well in the second half because Northwestern, you know, really for most of the second half, in fact, just kind of, you know, just kind of drove Indiana into the ground. It was a kind of systematic domination by Northwestern. They won 10 to 4, 9 to 2, 9 to 6 through the first three four minute segments of the second half. Then Indiana battled them to a draw 4 4 before winning 10 5 during the last segment. And that was, it was an 8 0 run overall at the end of the second half. And that went along with a 22 0 run at the end of the first half, which we need to go back to and discuss because that was some breathtaking basketball for Indiana. I mean, it featured everything shot making, good defense, rebounding. Indiana didn't turn it over. I mean, it was clearly these Indiana Hoosiers at their best. Uh, one of those sequences that makes you sit up and wonder why we don't see that more often. But obviously, if any part of that segment of the game hadn't been as utterly dominant as it was, or if you know Northwestern had gotten one bucket, if Indiana didn't string together so many stops, based on the final score, Indiana doesn't win this game. And if Devontae Green's last second heave of a three doesn't go in, Indiana doesn't win this game. So let's linger on the end of the first half a little bit, because as impressive as the end of the second half was, and it certainly was a true last gasp for the Hoosiers that we haven't seen all season long. The end of the first half kind of reminded us again, hey, when Indiana doesn't turn it over and when they're engaged defensively, they're pretty good. The problem is we just haven't seen a whole lot of stretches this year where Indiana has been engaged defensively and hasn't turned the ball over, but it sure was nice to watch while we saw it. Yeah, I, I think that instant comparisons to the run against Michigan last year where they went 25 I think it was it 25, 28, 0, 28, 25, 0 at the end of the first half. And they made yeah, the three to start the second half. So uh, you can make a comparison there. The difference for me is that in that Michigan game, they were just unconscious shooting the ball and Michigan was making a ton of mistakes and not getting back on defense for the other, the other things. This was a methodical wearing 22 to nothing where they were playing good defense making Northwestern shoot tough shots. I mean, that Michigan run, Michigan was just firing from all angles, wasn't really using their offense. Northwestern was trying to run offense and missing shots. And Indiana would come out, run solid offense, and get a bucket. And and I think that Michigan run was more, Indiana was just getting wide open shots with nobody defending them and, and burying them because Michigan was confused defensively. So I think this was more actually of an impressive run because, as you said, there was defense, there was rebounding. They weren't turning the ball over. It was methodical. They wore Northwestern down and they just beat them to death with it. I mean, they really did. And it was, you look at it again and you say, gosh, this team is so talented when it just plays the right way, when it doesn't turn the ball over, when it makes the extra pass, when, when the guys are, are instead of looking to shoot the first time they have an inch of daylight they're actually working the ball around to make to, to, to get the ball to somebody with a better shot not forcing passes not forcing drives but if it's not there you kick it out and you move it to the next guy and somebody's going to get a good look and that's what they did and it was easy i mean obviously you know Devonte green's three uh half or three quarter court heave helped out a little bit there hey and man, when the guy's feet are set when they're pointed toward the basket he's hey, pretty good <laughs> i've been saying it all year man he gets his feet set and square underneath him. It looks good uh, when he's leaning or off balance. It looks bad. So, um, yeah, I, I just I, I think that that run was was indicative of what this team can be at its best. And then you saw the beginning of the second half, and it was what this team could be at its worst. And in you just the Jekyll and Hyde nature of this team has been such an issue. Um, 
you know, and, and it's like, it's right there for them to take it. It is right there. It's not that far out of their reach. Even without OG and Obi, this could be a team that team that people don't want to face uh, because of how talented they are. And and especially when, you know, it's as balanced, things are as balanced as they were today. There were stretches where the offense looked awful. And then you get stretches where it's just, they're moving the ball, they're getting it to the right people and it may, they make it look so easy. And that's, because they're so talented when they actually believe in what they're doing, believe in each other and and play the right way, they can win basketball games. I mean, it's not that hard. We've it's seen amazing. them do it, you know, and it's it's and I I'm loath to ever quote Dan Dockage, but uh, just kidding. Dan, Cut his mic. Uh, so last year he said something about Troy Williams. He said basketball is an easy game and Troy Williams makes basketball hard. And and that is this team in a nutshell. This team makes basketball hard a lot of the time. And and I think we've kind of been alluding to that all year without actually saying it, is that this team just makes things so difficult on itself when basketball, the, the, the concepts are not that difficult. Um, there are certain things about it that are complex, but it's, it can be really easy if you play the right way and you play smart. And and Northwestern, to their credit, has done that all year. They've played very smart, simple basketball. And Indiana just needs to find a way to consistently do that. Look, if this team wins this final two games and makes a run in the Big Ten tournament, they're going to the tournament. There, there's still a lot to play for. I, I you know, I, it's still there. It's is it likely? No, but it's still there if this team can just get it together and play like it did at the end of the first half and at the end of the second half in this game. That they play like that, they'll beat anybody. I, it's this is not a northwestern specific thing. Nobody can stop this team when it's playing the right way. The problem is haven't played the right way enough. That that's the thing. They haven't and they haven't done it consistently. And and we shouldn't you know a one point win over Northwestern when uh, you know of a last course. second halftime heave for three makes it. It doesn't make you a world beater. But no. you know what a game like this does because again you know we've been looking at the game at Purdue as an automatic loss and it probably will be a loss because Purdue's really good and that's a tough place to play. And you look at a road game at Ohio State. Okay, Indiana has a tough time winning on the road. Probably not going to win there. Well, that's especially true. When you've you know lost seven out of eight games and you're losing like five you know five six games in a row, you start to think your team's never going to win, and the team themselves probably starts to wonder if they're ever going to win again. You know, you get one win where some good things happen, and you remember a how good you have the potential to be, and then you actually do some good things down the stretch. Maybe you can build a little confidence and continuity, and with a little bit of the pressure off, because I think you know, look, this team is always going to have pressure, but they have seemed to play a little bit looser for the majority of the game on the road now again the irony is tonight they played kind of tight i thought for a lot of the game yeah especially they in did. the second half but then loosened up at the end of the second half so you know who knows i, I well, think and let well, me here, 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 let me say this about this ahead. game because this game was absolutely a microcosm of the entire season for indiana yes. a roller coaster up and down, you see some great, you see some awful. You know, the only difference is, of course, they closed out the victory. But even more than that, I mean, it was a microcosm of Tom Crean's entire tenure yeah. at Indiana. You know, there's some exceptional moments, some good moments, some down moments where you're like, what the hell is going on? You know, there's three minutes in the first half where he's got the McLineup in there with McRoberts and McSwain. And at that point in the game, Northwestern's up 13 11. Puts in McRoberts and McSwain. Northwestern goes on an 8-3 run. That's where they built their lead. And then Indiana, of course, was able to storm back. And then in the second half, can we talk real quick about him putting in Tim Priller? Because I don't know if that was crazy, if that was like a throw your hands up, I give up move, or if that was the evil Tom Crean genius saying, hey, we win every game that Tim Priller plays. Let's just put him in now, guarantee victory, get the crowd into this thing a little bit. And to Priller's credit, he goes in there and to steal a phrase from Ken Bykoff was doing the full Brian Sloan, setting picks on everybody, and Indiana scored. So, you know, it, I, it, like, I will say Indiana looked better with Priller on the floor than they did before Priller came in. I will say that. And and he went in because Jawan Morgan picked up his fourth foul. And rather than go with somebody else, go with a smaller lineup, he just threw in uh Priller. And like you said, to Priller's credit, he went out there. He set a bunch of screens. They got a couple buckets. He got a defensive rebound. I mean, he didn't, it, you know, this wasn't a joke. He went in there to contribute, and he did. He, he, did. He, he got a foul on what would have been an easy basket, you know, to stop the guy from scoring. And 
Um, what I want to say, I want to go back because I tried to interrupt you for a second, which, you know, I want to do. But uh, what I was going to say is, I, you know, my last statement about this team can play with anybody. I'm not saying that this win tells me, oh, my gosh, it's a turnaround for the season. What I'm saying is when this team plays right, like they did at the end of the first half and the end of the second half, they're tough to play with and they're tough to beat. The problem is you had the rest of the first half and the rest of the second half. But if that team could somehow just bottle what it did late in those halves, it can compete the rest of the year. There's no reason it can't. I don't care if you're playing Purdue or if you're playing Rutgers. If you play the way they did in those stretches, you're going to be competitive and you're going to give yourself a chance. The problem is, as you said, it's been so inconsistent and so crazy. I mean, they're as likely to come out and lose to Purdue by 50 as they are to upset them at Mackey. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, but if this team plays like it can play, it's tough to beat. They really are. The problem is we just haven't seen it. No, we haven't. Uh, so much more to break down from this game. We do have Michael Dugan, who's here. He was at Simon Scott Assembly Hall, watched that thrilling comeback. Michael, were you so moved by what you saw with the senior ceremony? Did you just run out and propose to somebody on Kirkwood? Tell me you're engaged now. I, 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 I'm sorry to tell you I'm not. I was motivated to do just that. I mean, it, it was completely unexpected. Um, that, I mean, if they didn't win the game, that would have been hands down. I mean, this goes without saying, but hands down the moment of the night, the moment of the weekend in Bloomington, that was, that was some ceremony. I, I needed a moment to recover on my drive back home to, to prepare for this, but that was almost the moment of the night. You could argue it was the moment of the night. Was that you know, your banner Col moment? I'm sorry. Colin Hartman, hear. yes. Well, I mean, obviously the banner moment was going to be the 8-0 run at the end, but when Colin mm -hmm. Hartman proposes and she says yes, you got to rewrite your banner moment a little bit. Yeah. So we had co-banner moments of the night. <laughs> so, okay, so, get, so give me your impression because, you know, what I really want to know is it really, I, I think everybody felt like the win was kind of coming out of the sails tonight when it was, you know, 58-50 Northwestern's ahead, coming down the stretch. It looked like Bryant McIntosh was pretty much just going to dribble the game out from that point on. From reports on Twitter, fans are leaving. You know, again, we're all kind of feeling like, okay, here's another loss for Indiana. And somehow, inexplicably, Indiana just starts executing at the end. And Tim Priller comes in, and I don't know what, I mean... It was like the most bizarro end of a 2016-17 IU basketball game that you could imagine. So what was it like being there? And what was the atmosphere like? It was a roller coaster. It was just like what you said. Uh, I mean, in the beginning, when it was 26 to 14, the atmosphere was a little dead. You, like you said, you could kind of feel the wind coming out from a the sails. A little dead? <laughs> it was a little. It was. It was very dead. It was very much dead. Um, but I mean, the crowd. The crowd got back into it and. And Devontae Green's three-quarter court shot, uh, which was another, you know, potential banner moment, that really brought the crowd back into it. And, you know, before, despite that being right before halftime, as the buzzer sounded, obviously, um, you know, the crowd kind of, they opened the second half, and it wasn't loud, but, you know, they were into the game. And as the second half progressed, I think that actually picked up Indiana a lot more than, than you think. It was, a, it was a good atmosphere. Uh, the second half was far different from the first half, but it was – it was it was a great atmosphere, and I definitely think that that helped propose uh, propel Indiana. Sorry, propose. propose. I, that came out. Yeah, it's of on the mind right out. now. <laughs> uh, you have to forgive me for that, but I do want to say that this is you know this was a win that, that Indiana almost did not get, despite going on a twenty two and over run at one point in a low scoring game, and that is a little concerning. Uh, and this is a Northwestern team that, for the majority of that game, was without an offensive identity. Uh, they were just kind of aimlessly tossing up threes and, and, you know, it's a good win and it was a great, they grounded out as, as best they could, but uh, it, there were, it feels good to be on the winning end of one of these, like you tweeted, Jared, but you know, this was a game that Indiana could have very much choked and it would have been a horrible, horrible loss. Oh, it would have been. I mean, it would have been absolute disaster. Um, you know, how do things get worse when you've lost seven out of eight? Go and, and lose this game, you know, where you're up by 10 at halftime, you have a 22-0 run and still lose it. And look, we're excited here. This is kind of a fun night on the assembly call uh, because when you do a post-game show, context matters. And so in some seasons, a 63-62 win over Northwestern where you played poorly for the majority of the second half wouldn't be cause for celebration. And we'd be sitting here pointing out how Robert Johnson was minus 19 and was basically non-existent all night and how Thomas Bryant you know, couldn't get himself going offensively all night. And we'd be talking about 16 turnovers for Indiana and all the warts because there were tons of warts. And if the show goes on long enough, we will get to them. But again, you know, when you're crawling through the desert, any drink of water is 
nice and you're going to celebrate it. And we got a nice little drink of water tonight. It wasn't a gulp. It was a sip, uh, but we'll take it. And, you know, so that's so all of your points are valid, Michael. But I think a little exhale, a little celebration before we go back and face the reality of still being, what are we, 16, 13, you know, still 13th place in the Big Ten, 12th place in the Big Ten. So things are not good. This does not make things good, but it's nice for a night. As a writer, I was once told something. uh, If you wow them in the end, you've got a hit. If if a good ending can make up for a bad book. Adaptation. Is that from Adaptation? They use that line in there? Robert Robert McKee, wow them in the end. I've been told yeah. that several times that, that a good ending can make up for a bad book. And that was a good ending tonight. I mean, it's and and a good ending can make up for a bad season. And 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 so it's the kind of thing where you've got to realize that we're happy because of the way that game ended and, and the way they played down the stretch. We're not happy because of where the season's at. So and because of how so many games leading up to this have ended, where it's been the exact, exact opposite, where Indiana's yeah. been winning and collapsed, and we finally saw it go the other way. So, look, you know, when, when you're trying to talk about a team that maybe you can find something at the end of the season, or let's just, you know, something to grasp onto to give you hope that maybe you can win a few games, maybe you can do something in the Big Ten tournament. Well, stop doing the terrible things that you do every game. Indiana didn't stop with the turnovers. They didn't stop with some of the defensive lapses, but they executed down the stretch. That's real, tangible change, and it doesn't make it a trend yet. Indiana needs to go do this again for another game and another game after that to actually believe in it. But, you know, if you're going to do that, you've got to at least do it once to get you going, Uh, and Indiana did that. I want to talk real quick uh, about Juwan Morgan because I thought Juwan Morgan had some huge offensive plays tonight for Indiana. He only had nine points but you guys can disagree with me, obviously, if you don't agree. But I thought his nine points were all huge. Like, I actually remember his buckets more, you know, than, than some. I know Blackman had 13, Bryant had 11, and they had those huge buckets really late. But Morgan's buckets stand out to me almost as much as those guys do. The little Dr. J up and under scoop shot that he had at the start of the second half, the dunk, and the dunk where he went falling onto the ground, and every single Hoosier fan is holding their breath because it's like, once again, right as Juwan Morgan gets healthy enough to sh- healthy enough to show us how good he can be, he's about to get hurt again. He's writhing around in pain, but fortunately, he gets up. He was okay. Played well in the second half. I thought they it was wrap, They should wrap him in bubble wrap between <sighs> games. Honestly, I know, I know. But but it, you know, I thought it was fitting that on a night when obviously the star of the show was Colin Hartman and the guy who we created the Colin Hartman things hashtag for, we saw a lot of Juwan Morgan things because we kind of said at the beginning of the year. Juwan Morgan needs to be the guy that steps up and does some of those Colin Hartman things, and he hasn't been healthy enough to do it at certain times. He was tonight, and I thought his plays that he made, especially his buckets when Indiana was kind of struggling as a team offensively, were really important. Um, and he you know, was one of the highest Hoosiers in terms of plus-minus, really did some good things tonight. Um, and it's nice to see because he shows you these flashes, and you can see how good he can be if he can just stay consistently healthy. Um, Michael, what did you think of Juwan's play and how important it was tonight? No, I completely agree with you. Uh, I, I, too, remember his buckets more than I remember most of everyone else. And Deron Davis started hot. I think he had the first four points for Indiana. And then I think he went 0 for 5 after that, didn't score again. But, uh, yeah, yeah Jawan Morgan had he, he had some clutch points. And I feel like his buckets either came at a time that ended a Northwestern run. Um, he had an offensive board and then a putback that would kind of start an Indiana run or cap off an Indiana run. I think he... Did he cap off that that run that ultimately put North? Or I'm sorry, put Indiana in the lead at the end of the first half amidst their yes. run. Yes, yes. So yeah, Northwestern obviously had the lead, and then Juwan had that beautiful up and under shot that tied it at 26, and then the dunk put Indiana ahead, and that's the one where he fell down and it looked like mm-hmm. he was getting hurt. Yeah. So that was it. You know, I completely agree with you. He was he was as important as anyone tonight, despite just nine points. Um, he did have six rebounds. The three of them were offensive, and I don't know how many of them uh, resulted in points on that possession, but his offensive rebounds were incredibly clutch, and I remember at least two of them where he brought it back out. They set up a play and at least got a good look. I can't remember if they scored, but he was he was incredibly valuable to Indiana tonight. 
Uh, one guy I want to talk about real quick before we well, he go also to break. played defense too. Let's let's yeah. remember that his defense was outstanding tonight, and it's the kind of thing where you can sort of see him being healthy now, and and what he can do when he's healthy, and and you know he can really impact the game as much as anyone on the floor, and and he's so versatile and just can do so many things for you. It was I thought it was an impressive night. I agree with everything Michael said. They, I thought he was as as big as anyone tonight, especially down the stretch. And he worked the baseline well, as Trenton mentions in our chat, you know, which is something that we haven't, you know, really we've seen him do it some and we've seen Freddie McSwain actually do it some, but no one else has really done that well. Kind of that Troy Williams role of working the baseline, make yourself available. And Thomas Bryant, to his credit, had a few really nice assists uh, to guys working the baseline. Bryant actually had three assists. He led the team in assists. So some nice passes for Thomas, even though he kind of struggled to get the rest of his offense going. Um, Ryan, I want to talk with you about James Blackman Jr. because you had a couple of harsh tweets for James in the second half. I want to talk to you about his play. Obviously, he made some big plays late, uh, but he also spent a decent amount of time on the bench in the second half. And so I want to talk about that. First, I do want to take a quick minute and tell you why you should activate your free assembly call membership. Here are three quick reasons. Number one, it's quick and easy. So go to assemblycall.com slash join. It'll take you 15 seconds. Number two, it's how you get our best content. So by joining, you'll receive our weekly Six Banner Saturday IU Hoops News Roundup, as well as our detailed post-game analysis emails, which you get the morning after every game delivered right to your inbox. We don't post that content on the blog. You have to be a subscriber to get it. And then it's how you connect with us in the Assembly Call community, because only members can access our moderated post-game live chat and our discussion forum. So if you like what you hear on the Assembly Call, becoming a member is the logical next step. Join us for free at assemblycall.com slash join. All right, you are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips and Michael Dugan filling in for Andy Bottoms. And we are discussing Indiana's surprising, shocking, come from behind 63 to 62 victory over the Northwestern Wildcats tonight. Uh, and Ryan, let's talk about the night for James Blackman Jr., who hit a couple of big threes in the first half during that run for Indiana was really invisible for the majority of the second half and, and spent some time on the bench. He only played 27 minutes tonight. Uh, but then, you know, came in, obviously hit the huge three, had the huge assist to Thomas Bryant there at the end. So when Indiana needed someone to step up and make plays, make big shots, you know, as James has done at different points this year, despite it being a really up and down year for him, he has come through time and again for Indiana when they've had good clutch moments. You, know, you think about the Michigan State game, uh, you think about the, the the Kansas game, which I know feels like a lifetime ago, but in some of Indiana's better moments, the Penn State game, obviously, he's really come up big, and he did it again tonight, but you mentioned in the second half. I, I think your tweet was, get him out of there. He's not providing anything for Indiana. Tom Crean seemed to agree with you because he didn't put him in there much, but it's a good thing he got in there at the end. And, and look, this is why James Blackman Jr. plays, even when he's lackadaisical and even when his defense isn't that good, he can simply do stuff that no one else on the team can do. And if you're going to give yourself the best chance to win late, he's got to be out there because if he doesn't make those plays, I don't know who is. Yeah, I mean, credit James for for making those plays late and getting the rebound off of McIntosh's shot and then bringing it up the floor on that last possession. Um, what was bothering me was his defense. I, I just thought he wasn't paying attention at all. And there was, I my tweet was prompted uh, by the play where Scotty Lindsay cut behind him on an inbounds pass and he wasn't even looking at his own man and Lindsay caught it laid it in easily um, you know that that can't happen your junior guard who is relied upon for so much from this team and to just not even be paying attention to where your guy's cutting is is unacceptable I thought he lost you know he gets switched on to Bryant McIntosh because quite frankly Northwestern wanted Bryant or wanted uh, uh, Blackman guarding uh, Macintosh and and he would get switched on to him and just not even really care to play defense. He just let him take shots and and wouldn't defend the dribble. Uh, and then offensively, he was there were times where he just was taking bad shots. He was four eleven, four of eleven from the field, and there were about five or six of those that were bad shots. And he was just kind of firing. He wasn't trying to make something happen. He wasn't working within the offense. He would just catch the ball, kind of do a quick little slow dribble, and then try and go, and then nothing there. He'd back it out. You know, I mean, he he wasn't working the ball around. If there's nothing there, move it to the next man, make a cut, you know, cut hard, get yourself open, work to get open instead of just begging for the ball and, and driving and, and into nothing. Uh, so yeah, I was, I was disappointed in the way he was playing. Certainly credit to him for, you know, 
I don't know if he's reading Twitter on the bench or, but credit to him for, for proving me wrong by, by turning it around at the end and, uh, and, and making some plays that helped Indiana win the game. But at the same time, you know, again, it's that lack of consistent effort that we've seen out of him and it rubs off on the rest of the team because it, like we said, it's up and down, up and down. And that last stretch, they were all great and they were all on, but for the rest of the game at other points, I mean, Blackman was just the guy who drifts through games and eventually, you know, tries to hit a three occasionally, you know, and that's not acceptable when you're in his position as a guy who could be a leader for this team. He's leading the big 10 and made three pointers. I mean, there's 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 so much talent there and he needs to play better by the way can we just linger for a moment and consider how insufferable ryan would be if james blackman jr was reading twitter on the bench then mentioned that that tweet that that tweet really got Wait, him going you know I, I have to brush up on my my english class uh definitions uh, insufferable it means wonderful right it means amazing sure incredible. Ryan. Okay. absolutely just, absolutely you know, I'm just wondering. you got that big vocabulary <laughs> So, uh, Michael, we're going to talk about Josh Newkirk in a second. It, I, I want to talk real quick about Robert Johnson because the thing is, James Thomas and Robert all made huge plays late, and they totally redeemed themselves for overall not playing well. You know, I, I mean, those guys really just didn't play well overall for the game because, you know, I thought Devontae Green was a huge key in that first half run. We've talked about how important Juwan Morgan was in that first half run. And Robert, you know, I, I just... You know, there, there were two plays in the first half that stuck out to me. One, he really dug in on defense, played great defense. And, and I think it was, the, it was a possession against Vic Law. And we've seen all season long how easy it's been for players on the opposing team to just drive right into the lane against Indiana. It's like Indiana's perimeter defenders, you know, will, will take one or two hard slide steps and then just kind of give up and let the guy into the lane. And Robert, be, you know, beat uh, uh, Law to the lane, made him shoot a tough shot over him. Uh, you know, he missed it. It was really good defense. It was like two or three possessions later, he's guarding Brian McIntosh and put up about the weakest effort to get through a screen, I think, that I've ever seen. And McIntosh just turns the corner, gets into the lane. Of course, when he does that, he's going to do whatever he wants. And it was just that kind of up and down effort and focus from Robert that we've seen so often over the second half of the season. And for most of the night, he was not good. The stat sheet I'm looking at says he was minus 19 for the game, which is by far the lowest on the team. Uh, he did play the second most minutes at 29. And, you know, again, were it not for his big bucket late that cut it from seven to five, uh, or maybe it was eight to six, one of those two, but it, it was it was an important layup. And then, of course, the assist to James, you know, we'd be on here, I think, talking a lot more negatively about him. So, again, you know, you redeem it w with with those plays at the end, but it still wasn't a great night for Robert Johnson. Uh, and I, for one, am willing to place that blame on Andy Bottoms because Andy was not here to watch the game. Totally. Hold, hold him accountable as the president of the of the Robert Johnson fan club. So, Bottoms, this one's on you, but Robert bailed you out uh, by making a couple plays late. Josh, you know, or uh, Michael, we've talked about, you know, the two junior guards, James and Robert. What did you see from Josh Newkirk tonight? Well, I think, you know, and I've said this before, uh, that, that Newkirk is on a a very steep uphill trend since the season started. He was more of a liability than an asset. And I was keeping a close eye on him throughout the game. And the box score may not tell you this. He only had one assist and he did hit the, hit the boards. He had four boards uh, and nine points, but he played 34 minutes. He took smart shots. Uh, I think he's got good command of the offense. If he drives, you know, we would, we used to see, him kind of just put up this contested layup that wouldn't fall or try and find somebody that's not there and it would just ball would just roll out of bounds. But now, you know, I'm seeing, first of all, he's got great control of the ball when he's driving. He's got great control of his body. He doesn't get trapped in the corners anymore. He can escape double teams. He seems like he's the only guy on the team that can escape double teams. Thomas Bryant had a lot of trouble in the first half, but he's just got a command of the offense. And I think he's, he's becoming a smarter player and, his turnover count over the past few games is is up and down. I think he's gone four one four two. He had two tonight, um, but I just think he's got a great command of the offense, and he's learning on the go with this team after sitting out a year. And I think when we see him next year after a full off season with this team and and an entire season behind him, I think we're going to come to absolutely love Josh Newkirk next year because he's not you know he's not the leader of this team, and he probably won't be next year. Um, but who's to say he can't be the Robin to someone else's Batman, whoever that leader is next year? And, you know, I think that that he's going to be that point guard that Indiana needs that can distribute, but also put the ball on the floor and, and can hit the hole and create a shot and hit a contested layup or draw an and one or draw a foul 
you know, when need be. I, I just think that he's been very good with the ball, more careful, smarter, and, and just a smarter and tougher basketball player. I think he's been great. He, I don't know if I would go as far to say as he's been great. I think he's been better though. And, 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 and considering where he was at the start of the year in comparison, I suppose you could say he's been great because he was, he was poor at times, you know, for him to reach that level, Michael, I think he's going to have to do better than, you know, one assist and two turnovers. You know, he's going to have to improve that obviously become more consistent with a shot. And to me, I think he has to play defense to the level of his athletic ability. I mean, I don't see a reason why he can't, dig in and stop a guy like Bryant McIntosh from getting into the lane. I mean, Bryant McIntosh is savvy. He's a smart player. But what is there physically about those two guys that suggests that Josh Newkirk shouldn't be able to keep him out of the lane better than we saw tonight when they were matched up? So I, I do think you make some good points. and I think he's got some potential next year, another year removed from the injury, another year in, in the system, although you know maybe it'll be a different system next year. Who knows? I think there is some potential there, but I'd like to see it more consistently. Uh, from him. And I mean, I suppose we could say that about pretty much everybody on the roster at this point. A uh, couple more observations from me. Uh, and Ryan, I do want to get your thoughts on Devontae Green because, you know, you've been high on Devontae. And this was another game where Devontae was really good in the first half, didn't give Indiana much in the second half. And we've kind of seen that from him this year, uh, you know, where he's really played good in one half, but hasn't been consistent. And, you know, you'll see that from freshmen sometimes. But I just want to give another hat tip to Freddie McSwain. Uh, who came in once again and in nine minutes, scored four points, had four offensive boards, uh, didn't have a turnover tonight. And, you know, look, he was, again, playing in the first half with Zach McRoberts, and we know the kind of offensive limitations that that lineup has. I've harped on it all season long. I don't understand why Tom Crean went to it again. Indiana, you know, lost that, that sequence of the first half, eight to three. It's just unconscionable why that's, those guys play out there, and the half-court offense couldn't do anything. But again... I mean, all Freddie McSwain does is go in there and get offensive rebounds. I mean, he's basically averaging, at least for maybe the past five or six games, one offensive rebound every two or three minutes that he's on the floor. And that's huge. And especially when he doesn't turn it over and he's getting you four offensive rebounds and one of them's a putback for a bucket and he's, you know, he's doing a nice job of working the baseline. You know, we talk about how so many Indiana players have been inconsistent, especially inconsistent in the roles they're being asked to play. I think... You know, when you look back at the past five or six Indiana games, who's been more consistent in his role than Freddie McSwain? And if you had told me that would be the case before the season would have started, I would have said, that's crazy. And the season probably didn't go too well. And that's what's happened. But kudos to Freddie McSwain anyway for, you know, for for having a role and really fulfilling it. And he continues to do it. Uh, and it's good to see. And, you know, that that at least provides one element of stability for Indiana. Um, Ryan, let me get your thoughts on Devontae Green tonight. Good first half, not much in the second. Yeah, I still think he played pretty well. I thought his defense was excellent. They put him on McIntosh for a long stretch, and I thought he played pretty well uh, and, you know, really showed up. He's a guy who, across the board, added to the box score eight points, five rebounds, two assists, two steals, a block. And you don't see blocks from. Devontae Green very often, but also he defended without fouling. He only had one foul. Uh, he did have three turnovers, but he's a freshman. That's going to happen. Um, still, I thought he made both his free throws. He hit two threes, one of which was from 75 feet away. So uh, you don't get extra points for those, unfortunately. Uh, they have not adopted the uh, the MTV rules for long threes yet. Uh, I'm still got my fingers crossed for that maybe someday uh but no i i thought it was an excellent game from him especially on the defensive end of the floor i thought that he really showed up and and brought some great energy and footwork to the defensive end which is something a lot of guys on this team don't have and and we know Devonte is very dedicated to defense i mean before he even came to iu that was what he said he wanted his calling card to be uh was being the best defensive player in the nation so um he's not there yet but it, it his intensity on that end uh, really helps the team when he's in the, when he's in the game. And I thought he had a nice game tonight. I mean, obviously, you know, it's not going to blow your doors off because he's a he's a, a young guy who's not going to dominate games. But I thought he really contributed tonight uh, on both ends of the floor. Another stat that jumps out at you uh, as something that obviously helped Indiana stay in and win this game was free throws. And this is an area where Indiana has been getting killed recently with putting other guys on the line and not getting enough free throws themselves. Northwestern still won. I mean, they were 12 of 18 from the line. And Indiana was 11 of 16. But just the fact that it was close was big for Indiana. Because again, when you're turning the ball over a lot more than the opposition, and Indiana had 16 turnovers tonight to only six for Northwestern, so they got killed again in points off turnovers. 
you can't get killed on points off turnovers and from the free throw line and expect that simply out rebound or out offensive rebounding the other team, which Indiana does pretty much every game is going to compensate for it. And this wasn't a night where Indiana, you know, dominated on the offensive glass. They had three more than Northwestern. So being able to even up the foul uh, shooting a little bit, Northwestern didn't even take a free throw in the first half uh, was obviously helpful. One more question for you, Ryan, uh, before we move forward to last call, which is the post guys, because, you know, you go back to the very first possession of the game. It was one of the best, the best jobs we've seen all year of a guy making a post entry pass. Uh, it not being there, it, you know, receiving a pass back out, the guy reposting, being patient. Thomas Bryant threw three passes into Deron Davis on the very first play of the game. Deron Davis goes and scores. And I thought, you know, we were set up to just see a steady diet of Indiana trying to go inside on Northwestern. But, you know, Deron Davis scored again uh, on the very next possession. He didn't score for the rest of the game, as Michael mentioned earlier, finished with four points. Thomas really couldn't get it going until the very end there. Why was it that Indiana, and we know when Deron Davis is in the game, they make a concerted effort to get it to him in the post. Why wasn't Indiana able to get it inside more to Deron Thomas tonight? Northwestern was doubling really hard every time they threw it in. And and the problem was that those guys were not making smart decisions uh, to move the ball out. And, and they had combined for three turnovers, which as a post guy isn't, you shouldn't have any turnovers. Uh, you know, maybe one is acceptable, but to have three turnovers and all of them were on pass outs. So um, they just weren't making great decisions. Robert Johnson in the first half would not even look at Brian in the post. I don't know what was going on. There were several times Brian had great position, wouldn't even throw it into him. Um, I thought a few times they passed on easy post entries. Uh, but I think for the most part, the problem was they saw what was happening. And every time they threw it down there, uh, Northwestern was doubling really hard. Those two did combine for five assists, though, so they were finding the right guys, uh, but a few of the passouts were really ragged and really did not look good, and I think that, that the the hard double teams really contributed to not only not making smart decisions with the ball, but also just not throwing the ball in there. You saw guys shading over, too, before they even caught to get ready to double when the post would, when the post entry would happen. So I think that was part of the reason um, we've also just seen this team sometimes just ignores it. And, and that's, it's not really acceptable and it's not okay. And it's something they need to continue to drill on, but it's also about those guys in the post being able to handle it when they get the ball and figuring out the double team. And it's something we haven't really seen them progress on all year. They've got to get better at kicking out of double teams. Uh, Ryan has a great stat that he just posted in our chat about Tim Priller. We will get to that here in just a second and then get to last call. Uh, first, I do uh, want to tell you about our friends at Yogi's Bar and Grill in Bloomington because our last call, as always, is brought to you by Yogi's Bar and Grill. And when you go to Yogi's during any IU game, and of course there are at least three left that we know of at Purdue against Ohio State, then the first game of the Big Ten tournament, and then if Indiana is fortunate enough to make any postseason play after that or win any games in the Big Ten tournament, which we will never take for granted, uh, there will be some additional games. But if you go to Yogi's during those games, let them know that the assembly call sent you. Let them know Jared, Andy, Ryan, Mike, let them know that we sent you. Uh, you can get 10% off your food during games. Yes, that's 10% off your food during games at Yogi's. Just tell them the assembly call sent you and then stick around afterwards because the assembly call plays there at Yogi's on the video. You can listen to the audio and hopefully there are some more victorious episodes to celebrate and you can celebrate with us from Yogi's. So please do so and let them know that the assembly call sent you. All right, last call is coming up. Stick with us. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. We are wrapping up here, celebrating Indiana's 63-62 to victory over Northwestern tonight as the Hoosiers snatch victory from the jaws of defeat. I am Jared Morris here with Michael Dugan and Ryan Phillips. Uh, and guys, real quick, let's talk about Tim Priller <clears throat> just a little bit longer because, you know, we, I mean, frankly, I, I mentioned earlier, I don't know, it was about a month and a half ago, you know, if, if Tim, Priller, Tim Priller has a scholarship, he's a junior, at one point, are we going to be okay putting him into a competitive basketball game when there's an injury, when someone has foul trouble? And we've seen plenty of opportunities for that this year. And Indiana just go with a smaller lineup or play somebody else. And tonight, Tom Crean finally puts Tim Priller in there. Now, who knows what led to this? You know, was this Tom Crean for the last home game, you know, knowing how Indiana fans love Tim Priller and just, you know, trying to get a spark from the crowd? Was this, you know, having, you know, Maybe Tim Priller had a really good week in practice and he knew he would go in and do what he wanted him to do. Uh, was this just a desperate coach fearing his days may be numbered, trying everything? I have no idea. I do know, however, that John Crispin, at one point in the game, 
uh, let me find the exact quote because this did happen. I'm not making this up. He said uh, on Tim Priller, he's a high level basketball player, basically saying, why wouldn't he get into the game? So, I mean, that that happened. Um, so, you know, kind of just going to leave that there and let it linger a little bit. Uh, but, Ryan, you have a stat, Indiana 27 and three in games that Tim Priller plays. Uh, I, I want to give credit to about a, I want to give credit to B-Town Banners who put that up. By the way, uh, twenty-seven yes. three that Tim Perler has played, and they are the Hoosiers are eighteen and zero when he's played more than one minute. Okay. So, uh, so and the, the only three losses that Tim Perler has played in was North Carolina. I'm assuming that was the tournament game last year, the NCAA tournament game, uh, Louisville, and this year against Fort Wayne are the only games uh, that they have lost with Tim Perler on the floor uh, for at all. So. That's, that's so a pretty I, good record. It's hard to argue with stats, folks. It's hard it's to argue hard, with stats. It's hard to argue with stats. Um, now, we say this kind of you know jokingly because you know Tim just hasn't played meaningful minutes. Do you... I mean, is this something we can look at a little bit moving forward at all? Because, I mean, he did at least get in there, set some screens. He didn't... You know, he wasn't terrible. And I mean, this is a team fine. that needs depth down low when guys get injured or, you know, injured or in foul trouble. Or is this just again, kind of an inexplicable decision that didn't totally blow up in the coach's face. Hey, he's five extra fouls against Caleb Swanigan. I mean, you know, why not use him if you got him? And I mean, if other guys are in foul trouble. Scholarship. I mean, and by yeah, the time he's a junior, he should be able to do that. But yeah, I mean, you might as well use him. You know, I mean, I look, it's... I don't know. I mean, I think it would have to be the right situation, certainly, but why not? I mean, at least give him some run for a few minutes. He, he looked fine tonight. There was no, you know, it wasn't like he went in the game and you're like, oh, man, look at what he's doing. He actually went out and looked like he knew what he was doing and ran the offense, set some screens, uh, helped out on defense, grabbed the defensive board. I mean, we talked about it. I, I, I had no problem with him being in the game. With I think it was like five minutes left they put him in. So I had he no problem with it. He set screens. He hunted screens. It's, it's like, true. It was... It was it was impressive. Um, so I don't know. You know, look, it's it, this was this was one of the one of the crazier games of the season. You know, we mentioned it. It was a microcosm of the entire season, a total roller coaster, seeing the good of Indiana, the bad of Indiana, the inexplicable. But somehow it ends up in a one point win. So I guess, you know, my only hope going out of this game is that if it's a true microcosm of the season, given the way that it ended, where it looked like it was over, it looks like there's no hope, and Indiana somehow finds a way to turn it into a positive at the end. Maybe this season can end like that somehow. I don't know exactly what that would look like, but at least this win gives us some small semblance of hope that we can get there uh, somehow, some way. We'll have to see how the next few games go. All right, gentlemen, let's go to last call, get some final thoughts here on, uh, on this Indiana victory. Michael, we will go to you first. Well, before we get off the topic of Tim Perler, how often do we get to talk about him? Um, I do have a quote that Zach Osterman tweeted what, that Kareem said on, on that decision. He said, uh, quote, I felt good with that. There's been a couple other times we've been close to doing that. He did fine. I don't know what that means, if that meant this game, this season. Um, but, I mean, take that however you want. So maybe we could see some meaningful minutes for Perler going down the road. Um no, I mean, we pretty much nailed it. This was – it's a fun win. Uh, Assembly Hall was was definitely enjoying every last bit of it after the final buzzer sounded when when Thomas hit that free throw to end it. Uh, so, I mean, it's a win absolutely worth celebrating. You know, at the end of the day, it doesn't mean whole much in the grand scheme of the season, but it was a ton of fun to watch. It was a great game. Um, how, how many people were there? What was the – uh, it was pretty full. I'm going to be honest with you. It was pretty full. Uh, at tip, the the balcony was was pretty – the balcony, I'm sorry, on the student section, the Crimson Guard side, was totally empty. Uh, and I looked up again at the under-16 timeout, and there were a couple students there, but the balconies were not full. You know, I was kind of expected. I wasn't expecting that, but it was pretty full, and and they brought the energy. And, you know, all in all, the game was great. It was a, it was a good win. It's one to celebrate. And, again, if, if the game wasn't great enough, Colin Hartman gave us a reason to – to all smile in the end with that proposal. That was, if I had to do a banner moment without question, that would be it. It's tough to pick against that. All right. Excellent. Uh, Yogi's last call there, Michael Ryan over to you for your Yogi's last call. Hey, it was nice to watch the team fight to the end for once and to execute late and to get a win. I mean, it uh, seems like it's been forever. Uh, whatever this season turns out to be, whatever, uh, you know, it comes in the next few weeks and it could be all, it could be a lot of good stuff, could be a lot of bad stuff. Uh, 
we will have the that moment at the end of the game, Thomas Bryant finishing with that dunk and getting fouled. Uh, and then, then, of course, finishing with that free throw that was, you know, Indiana finally, after all these weeks, got a bounce to go its way uh, on that free throw. And then, of course, Colin Hartman, as I said before, the greatest senior speech of all time. Can't top that. There are so many IU alum basketball players right now whose wives are looking at him like, why didn't you do that for me? <laughs> and so Colin for you, hats off, buddy. You knocked it out of the park. Uh, and, uh, you know, here's hoping we'll see Colin back. Maybe we'll see him back next year and he can, maybe they'll get married at senior speeches next year. That'll be the you know way to one up himself, but I don't think he'll be able to top that. Uh, I think it was great and, uh, no one will ever be able to top that. So, uh, congratulations to both of them and Hey, great win for the Hoosiers. It was, you know, and it's been interesting because Tom Crane has almost gone out of his way to mention publicly over and over again that Colin Hartman has a spot next year if he wants it. And so, you know, I mean, I think that's great. I think it's great to know that because we would all love to see Colin come back. And apparently he's got a job offer that he's weighing that you know he may really want to take and may just want to move on with his life after basketball. But apparently that option is there. Um, and, and so we will see what Colin does. We, we don't know. But maybe there is a chance that he comes back and has a senior speech next year. Uh, I will say, you know, watching the tribute video to him, which was really well done, by the way, to the team that put that together. It was outstanding. Uh, the highlights. It was a great song choice. I thought having the, the, the statements from the players was excellent. I loved, you know, Thomas Bryant's really heartfelt statement uh, that he had to Colin Hartman. It was great seeing Troy, Nick Zeisloft, Yogi Ferrell uh, come back and, and give statements for Colin. But just seeing all the great plays that he made, and I think it has been easy to say this year that, okay, you know, Colin Hartman wasn't here, but he wasn't here all year. And that is true. And I still don't believe that injuries are this the, the, the biggest thing that have hurt this team. I think poor execution, lackadaisical attitudes and effort, all of that has hurt this team more. But there's no question that the injuries have hurt the ceiling and, and lowered the floor for this team. And I think when you... Watch all the plays that Colin made, the little things, the big things, the big shots, you know, that incredible assist that he had last year against Maryland where he drove down the lane, you know, the wraparound pass to, uh, to Thomas Bryant for the dunk. It's kind of easy to forget when you haven't seen him play all year just how much he brought to the table, you know, what all those Colin Hartman things were. And the fact that on a team that really was devoid of leadership and didn't have a senior, a guy who's been there, been to all the different Big Ten arenas, been through so many big situations, been involved in winning in so many of those situations, uh, you know, how much of a, a difference could he have made? And, and we won't know. We don't know what this team could have achieved if Colin and OG had stayed healthy all year. Uh, and it's kind of pointless to speculate about what ifs. But on Colin Hartman night, Colin Hartman senior night, the night when he gave the most boss speech, senior speech, uh, maybe in the history of IU basketball, it is, uh, I think, an appropriate time to at least step back and wonder for a few moments what he would have meant to this team. Because I think thinking about it tonight, and I'm probably caught up in the moment like I always am, I feel like maybe I underestimated it a little bit what he would have meant um, it was just great seeing all those highlights and just wish his uh, his senior season could have gone a little bit differently. But here we are and, and the Hoosiers, you know, fighting here at the end. So it has not been a good last month for Indiana basketball. The only two wins are home wins over Penn State and Northwestern, where you basically needed a last second heave at the end of the first half. And, uh, you know, obviously a, a, an 8-0 comeback at the end of regulation to beat Northwestern. And we remember all the plays they needed to beat Penn State. Uh, but when you're in as many close games as Indiana has been in, sometimes the bounces are going to go your way. Sometimes they don't. Uh, the bounce went Indiana's way tonight, uh, literally speaking with Thomas Bryant's free throw. And maybe that's something that gives this team momentum. Uh, it's extraordinarily easy to be negative right now. There is almost no reason to have any optimism going down the stretch, given where Indiana is and what is likely to happen down the stretch. But at least tonight gives you a glimmer of hope because we saw something different from Indiana that we've been wanting to see, and that's execution down the stretch. And if they can take that, carry it through up in Mackey Arena on Tuesday and then in Columbus next weekend and on into the Big Ten tournament, who knows? If they keep playing close games, but they execute better and those losses start to turn into wins, then maybe the end of the season gets a little more interesting than we thought. That is the thought that I will hold on to tonight. Uh, along with uh, Colin Hartman's awesome speech. Way to go, Colin. And way to go, Hoosiers. Way to get a, get a big victory. All right, everybody, enjoy the rest of your weekend. We will talk to you Tuesday night 
after IU Purdue. Have a good one. We'll talk to you then. From the company that brought you Rocket Mortgage comes Rocket Pro Insight, the innovative product designed to give real estate agents control like never before. With Rocket Pro Insight, agents have full visibility into the loan status of each of their clients, so agents can stay informed on their clients' activity throughout the process and help them compete against other buyers with a verified approval. Plus, agents have the power to adjust a client's approval letter amount in real time. With the document upload feature, Rocket Pro Insight gives real estate agents the freedom to check a client's progress from anywhere at any time. They'll be able to send files on their client's behalf so they don't have to let paperwork hold up the process. That means agents can help their clients clear mortgage roadblocks and close on time. Sign up today at rocketpro.com slash real estate and take your real estate business to new heights. Call for terms and details. Equal housing lender. Licensed in 50 states. NMLS number 3030. Verified approval only valid on certain 30-year purchase transactions. With the powerful combination of Michelin X1 tires and the Michelin Energy Guard aerodynamic solution on your truck, you can save 17 gallons every 1,000 miles. Go to business.michelinman.com slash fuel saver for details.